You're listening to audio from Cities Church. You can find more resources and learn about our ministry by visiting citieschurch.com. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord in Psalm 23. And right away, as as we get started, I I want us to pray. And uh, I want us to pray together. I want you to pray. And I'd like for us just to simply pray this prayer, that, that God would open our eyes to behold wondrous things in His Word. I want you to pray that right now. God, open my eyes to behold wondrous things in Your Word. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Okay. Amen. All right, so um, today in this message, um, I want to talk to you about the topic of death. And um, really, I, I want you to think about uh, your own death, and um, I, I know as I say that it, it might it might sound well. It does sound uh, kind of morbid, and you're thinking, why does he want to talk about death? And there are a few reasons why um, I want to talk about death today. One, historically, like the church for for uh, for many many years, past generations of Christians have thought a lot more about death than than, than we do today. Um, for most of church history, we have to keep in mind that uh, humans have been much more acquainted with their mortality, and therefore they, they've had to think about death. In fact, um, for much of church history, a big part of pastoral ministry was helping people prepare for death. Now, we don't think that way about pastors today because we don't, we don't think much about death today. Um, we, we don't think much about death at all. Um, in, until there, there comes a global pandemic. And um, over the last few months, and especially over the last few days, um, as a city and as a nation and as a world, um, we have been reminded of our frailty as, as human beings. And uh, we've been hearing a lot about death in the news. Now, over 102 102,000 people have died uh, from the coronavirus. And then, of course, this past Monday, the, the brutal death of George Floyd. And some of us recently, just in the past few days, have lost family and friends. And so uh, de- death is something we, we cannot ignore. We can't ignore it. Personally, um, death is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately because... Um, Many of you know my uh, my father-in-law passed away in April, and uh, we have, have been grieving that in our home. 
Um, I've, I almost, I've almost this week completed writing my own will. I'm, uh, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking a lot about death. But really the, the reason, the main reason I want to talk to you um, about death in this message is because we're in Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 uh, is what has been called a deathbed psalm. And as I say that, you, you probably know, some of you know what I mean by that. For, for many, many years, for centuries, uh, Christians have looked to Psalm 23 for hope in the last moments of their life. Um, and, and for those who have had the opportunity, which is not everyone, but for those who get the opportunity, uh, Psalm 23 has often been read at the time of death or, or at funerals. And I, I think that is right. I, I, I think that is a good thing, okay? And um, I'm not putting this on you. Just hear me say that. I'm not putting this on you. But um, speaking for myself, uh, when I think about my death, when I think about the last moments of my life, um, I also, like the many Christians who've gone before us, I also want to be thinking about Psalm 23. And I want to I wanna show you why that's the case. And I want to show you why in three steps. Okay, so here, here they are. First, I just want to show you the movement in the text of this psalm. Uh, second, I want to I show you how this psalm is about Jesus. It is. And then thirdly, I, I want to show you why that point in particular um, is so important for um, your deathbed. And uh, so the, the three things go this way. Number one, we have the movement of the text. Uh, number two, we have the Messiah in the text. And then number three, we have uh, the moment, um, the moments before your death. And that's what we're talking about. Okay, the first thing I want you to see here when it comes to the movement of the text, just notice the different parts of this psalm. Notice there's a couple different metaphors going on, okay? The Lord is a shepherd in verses 1 to 4, uh, and then he's a host in verses 5 and 6. Also, notice there's a, a change in perspective in verse 4. David the psalmist goes from talking about the Lord in the third, in the third person to then speaking to the Lord in the second person. He goes from saying, he leads me to, to saying, you are with me. But now, the most important thing I want you to notice here in the text is the change of location that happens in this psalm. There, there's a, a movement that happens in Psalm 23 in three parts. Okay, The first we see is the pasture in verse 2. Then there's a valley in verse 4. And then there's the temple or the house of the Lord in verse 6. Okay, so when you think about movement, these, these locations, think pasture, valley, temple. Pasture, valley, temple. And uh, according, according to David, okay, the psalmist here, the, the Lord as his shepherd is, is, is taking him somewhere. Okay, that's, that's what the, the movement means. The Lord as his shepherd is taking him somewhere. And the somewhere that the Lord takes him means that the Lord goes from being a shepherd to being a host. All right? Yahweh leads him until he hosts him, which is really important because that highlights the destination 
of Yahweh's leading. He is leading David to his home. Verse 6 ends, it ends at the Lord's dwelling place, the house of the Lord. So while David is out there, while he's out and about living his life in that place, God is a shepherd leading him. But God's leading is to God himself. And when David finally gets there to the house of the Lord, God goes from being a shepherd who leads to being a host who welcomes God goes from making David the sheep lie down in green pastures to preparing David, the victorious king, a banquet table. And the more we think about this, like the more we think about this, it just gets more amazing. There is a glorious journey happening here in Psalm 23 in just six verses. And we're going to come back to the meaning of this journey. But first, I just want us to look more at the particulars of Yahweh's care in each of these locations. Okay, go back to the pasture. This is verses one to three. In the pasture, this is the normal life of a sheep. Okay, look at how God is a provider here. David has no lack. That's what it, that's what it means when he says, I shall not want. That's the old uh, King James way of saying, I'm not lacking anything because God has provided everything I need. Green pastures, fresh water, restored soul, righteous paths. I'm good, I'm good because God takes care of me. Now look at verse four. This is the valley. There are valleys in life. And you know what I mean when I say that. There are really good things in life and there are really hard things in life. There are, there are mountaintops and there are valleys. And, and we talk this way in English largely because of the influence of Psalm 23. The, the valley here in verse 4 is the valley of the shadow of death. We have those. And here in verse 4, we see that even in this valley, David's not afraid. Now, why? Well, he's not afraid because even there the Lord is with him. Even there the Lord leads him. Even there the Lord comforts him. Now, now look in verse 5. There's a change that happens in verse 5 because there's no more sheep talk. All of a sudden, David, this is suddenly, all of a sudden David is now being hosted by Yahweh at a banquet table in the presence of his enemies, and Yahweh anoints his head with oil, and David's cup of celebration runneth over. That's another King James way. His cup runneth over, and he declares that his entire life his whole journey, his whole life has been a testament to Yahweh's goodness and steadfast love. Surely, he says, or only the goodness and mercy of God shall follow me. That's my story, he says. In all of my life, in all, through all, the days of my life, the one constant thing over every other thing is Yahweh's pursuing never-ending goodness and mercy. My story, my journey, my life is all summed up by the steadfast love 
of God. I want to remember that in the last moments of my life. I want to hear Psalm 23. David is onto something here. But there's a deepness now. There's a deepness to this psalm that we're going to miss if, if we don't see who it's really about. Psalm 23 is not finally about David. And Psalm 23 is not finally about us. But Psalm 23 is about the Messiah. <laughs> it is. Psalm 23 is about Jesus. And I want to show you this, okay? So this is number two here. This is the Messiah in the text. And for this part, I just want to say, super clear here. I don't want you to hear me. Um, what I'm about to do, um, it's the most important thing I do as a pastor, okay? I want to show you Jesus in the Bible. All right, now, um, there are a lot of theological convictions behind why I want to do that, and I'm not going to, uh, I won't get into those details now. But I'm saying this now, I want you to hear this now, because I want you to know that I think what I'm doing here is extremely relevant for your life. Even in the midst of what our city is going through. I'm sitting here talking to you from the Bible and we can hear helicopters and sirens in the distance. I get it. Okay. I get it. But this is extremely relevant, I believe. And so um, I want you to know that. I want you to look at this. Look at the kingship language um, that emerges in verse 5. Um, now, we've talked about how Yahweh goes from shepherd to host. Now, notice, notice again, David goes from sheep to king. See that? Yahweh is a shepherd who becomes a host. David is a sheep who becomes a king. David goes from drinking, uh, he goes from being a sheep drinking from still waters to being a king holding a cup of overflowing wine. In verse 5, we are, we are done with the sheep metaphor, and instead now we have an image of victory. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemy has been conquered. And in conclusion of the victory, David, the victorious one, enjoys a feast that Yahweh has prepared for him. This is the end of verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We see here at the end of verse 5 that David the victorious one is anointed. Okay, wait a minute. This is one of those moments in the Psalms when it's important for us to step back and remember that the book of Psalms is the book of Psalms. It's a book, okay? There are 150 individual Psalms here that have been arranged and composed with a purpose, all right? So we don't want to read any of these Psalms in isolation from the others, but we want to view each Psalm 
in its scriptural context. And as we've been reading this book up to this point, who in the Psalms gets anointed? And we say, oh, the king. Yes, that's right. The king gets anointed, but it goes deeper than the king. The anointed one, we have seen the anointed one is the Messiah. It's not merely David, but it's eschatological David. It's the future David. The anointed one is the promised descendant of David who is going to reign as king forever. And we've seen this Psalm 2, 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. Psalm 1850, great salvation the Lord brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Psalm 20, verse 6, now I know that Yahweh saves his anointed. He will hear him from his holy hill and come with his, the saving might of his right hand. So here in Psalm 23, when we read about the victorious king, the victorious one who is anointed, we should think about the Messiah. Psalm 23 is another place where David is being a prophet and he is speaking as his future descendant, the Messiah. Psalm 23 is the voice of the Messiah. These words are the Messiah speaking, which means this is. What it means for us, it means that, that before we can understand that Yahweh is our shepherd, we have to understand that Yahweh is the Messiah's shepherd. That's important. I, I think we see this most clearly I think in verse 6. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy, mercy, steadfast love, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, look at that last word, forever, all right? Now, if you're reading in the English Standard Version like I, like I do, you'll notice there's a little footnote at the bottom of the page that goes to that word forever. That's because in the Hebrew, like in the original, literally, that word is this phrase that says length of days. Now, length of days, implies forever, okay? So forever is a fine, a, a fine translation, okay? So that's okay. But what's important about knowing that the phrase is literally length of days is that we have seen this phrase before. That's the exact phrase that we see in Psalm 21. You guys remember Psalm 21, verse 4? He has, talking about the Messiah, he asked life of you and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. In Psalm 21, we saw that's about the Messiah. That's about the Messiah. The Messiah of Psalm 2, who is also the Messiah in Psalm 21, he has asked Yahweh for universal, eternal kingship, length of days forever and ever. And that same phrase, length of days in Psalm 21, is used here in Psalm 23, verse 6. But what's it in reference to here in Psalm 23? Well, what is happening in Psalm 23, verse 6? Well, in verse 6, the victorious one, the anointed one, the Messiah, the, the, the Messiah of verse 5, here in verse 6, 
He is dwelling in the house of the Lord. Now, the house of the Lord. What is the house of the Lord? Well, that's the temple. The temple is the place of God's presence. Which means what's happening here in Psalm 23, verse 6, is that the victorious one, the Messiah, he is saying that he is going to dwell in God's presence forever. Now, have we seen that in the Psalms? Have we seen this idea in the Psalms of the Messiah dwelling in Yahweh's presence forever? Absolutely, we've seen this. This is actually a central part of the Messiah's hope. He knows, the Messiah knows that his future is the presence of God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore, Psalm 16, 11. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad in the joy of your presence, Psalm 21, verse 6. Look here again at verse 6. There's another footnote on that, that word dwell, okay? Now, the word dwell. In the Hebrew, the verb literally means to return, okay? So the phrase literally is, is I will return to dwell in the house of the Lord. And see, that's a messianic concept in the Old Testament. You see this in Zechariah 9. After the defeat of his enemies, the Messiah returns to dwell in God's presence forever. That's what the Messiah is saying at the end of Psalm 23, verse 6. The Messiah has conquered his enemies, and now he will return and take his seat on his throne. So lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. That's Psalm 24. That's the psalm that we're going to see next week. See, Psalm 24 is this royal enthronement psalm. And how convenient that Psalm 24 follows this in Psalm 23. That's the, that's the point. In fact, I want to just, just step back for a minute, okay? I want us to look at this whole thing here, the whole context of, of, of the Psalms here. Okay, go back to Psalm 22 for a minute. Just think back to Psalm 22. Remember Psalm 22, verse 1? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 is a psalm of affliction and dereliction, okay? But like Pastor Joe showed us last week, Psalm 22 ends with hope. And just for a little preview of Psalm 24, um, Psalm 24 is a psalm of triumph and kingship. Psalm 24, in Psalm 24, the righteous king of glory ascends to his throne. Now, how in the world do we, we go from the affliction of Psalm 22 to the triumph of Psalm 24? How do we do that? How do we go from Psalm 22 to Psalm 24? Psalm 23, literally. 
Psalm 23 is almost like a short recap of the message we see in Psalm 22 and in Psalm 24. The themes of both Psalms, Psalm 22 and Psalm 24, are included in Psalm 23, and they are all bound together. The whole thing is bound together by the theme of God's unending presence because of God's unfailing love. Go back to the pasture for a minute with me, okay? Psalm 23, we're going back to the pasture. This is verses one to three, okay? Remember the movement, pasture to valley to temple. What do we see in the pasture? God's with the Messiah. He's providing for him. He's leading him. He's restoring his soul. He's guiding him along the righteous path. And we think about the life and ministry of Jesus, of how when he was tempted in the wilderness, God took care of him. We see in the Gospel of Mark that God the Father sent angels to minister to Jesus. Jesus is God's beloved Son. We also think about Jesus in the Gospel of John in chapter 4 when his disciples urge him to eat, and Jesus says to him, I have food to eat that you don't know about. My food is to do the will of my Father. We also think about, we think about Luke's gospel where Luke says that Jesus frequently, frequently, Jesus withdrew from the crowds to a desolate, desolate place to pray to his Father. See, this is clear in the gospels. The Father is with Jesus. He led Jesus with his Spirit during his life on this earth. The Father led Jesus in the pasture. Then there's also the valley. The valley of the shadow of death when Jesus prayed in Gethsemane and he moved deeper and deeper into that shadow. And Luke tells us that even there, as he sweat drops of blood, even there an angel was sent to strengthen him. And then Jesus came to the cross and at the cross, as Jesus was being crucified, when, when, when literally the darkness of death loomed over him, he felt forsaken. He says that. Jesus quotes Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken, but he was not ultimately forsaken. Like Pastor Joe said last week, Jesus knew the layers of Psalm 22. And Jesus also knew Psalm 23. That even in the valley, even with the death all around him, and then, and then even when death swallowed him, God was with him. That's why in Luke's gospel, um, the last words of Jesus actually come from Psalm 31, verse 5, where Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, even in this valley, I trust you. That's what Jesus says. And he died. Jesus Jesus died. 
He stepped from the shadow of death into death itself, into the grave, and he did it fearlessly. He did it fearlessly because he knew that somehow God was with him. He knew that he was not, he would not be ultimately abandoned. And he wasn't because there came the third day. Psalm 23, verses 1 to 3. This is the life of Jesus. Psalm 23, verse 4. This is the death of Jesus. What does that make? Psalm 23, verse 5. There's a, there's a table. There's a table prepared before him. And this is a banquet of celebration. And it's prepared for the Messiah in the presence of his defeated enemies. And we should think in the presence of his worst enemy, the enemy of death, which is now defeated by his empty tomb. Jesus has conquered the enemy of death. Jesus has conquered the enemy of death. His Father has raised him from the dead, and he has crowned him Lord of all, seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. His cup runneth over. The, Jesus' cup runneth over. And that's true of Jesus right now. Like in this moment, right now. Right now, as you watch this. Jesus reigns. Like right now, in this moment. Tristan's, he's, Tristan's behind the video. Okay, just breaking the, what do you call this, the wall. Tristan's right here. I'm right here. People are all around, okay? And Jesus reigns. Jesus is seated on his throne. He is seated at the Father's right hand. He has triumphed over his enemies. He has returned to dwell in his Father's presence where he will dwell forever. And he wants you to join him there. I mean, this is the... Jesus is with the Father, dwelling in the Father's presence where he will dwell forever, and he wants us there with him. I mean, that, that's the truth I want to remember in the last moments of my life. Psalm 23, this Psalm, Psalm 23, it shows us the life, death, Resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Psalm 23 is the story of Jesus. And if God should give me the luxury of hearing the Bible read in the last moments of my life, somebody read me Psalm 23. Okay? 
You hope you guys can work that out. I want to hear Psalm 23. The, the reality is, when we understand that Psalm 23 is about Jesus, it means that when we're in the valley, when, when, when we are stepping into the shadow of death, we are not stepping into the unknown because we have a Savior who has gone before us. That's why it's important for you to know that Psalm 23 is about Jesus. It's because there is nothing in your life. When you come to that moment, when the darkness of death is looming over you and you are scared out of your mind, because you've not been there. You don't know. Just because you don't know, it doesn't mean it's not unknown. Jesus, your Savior, the one to whom you are united, he has gone before you. Jesus has gone before you. The facts of Psalm 23 are tried and true. The path has been proven. God, God in his pursuing goodness, God in his steadfast love will not leave you. And he won't leave me because he didn't leave Jesus. Now, I've told you, um, I told you, I started this thing. I've been talking about death. I told you I've been thinking a lot about death. And that was even before, that was even before this week. I was, that was last week and in the last several weeks, really. But, um, you know, there's thinking about death before this week. And then there's the, the, the brutal death of George Floyd. And um, also think about, uh, I think about Brett and Kalina Tony. I think about them because uh, on Tuesday, um, they, they watched Kalina's mother um, finish her battle with cancer. And Kalina's mom, she stepped into eternity. Death is a real thing, okay? Death is a real thing, and it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to me. Unless Jesus comes back first, and we want him to, like today, like now, but unless Jesus comes back first, we're going to die. And you should think about that. You should think about that. Think about that moment. We don't know when it's going to be, whenever it is. When you die, what are you, what are you going to be thinking about in those last moments of your life? Well, whether or not you want to hear Psalm 23, we all need the truth of Psalm 23. Because Psalm 23 is about Jesus. And Jesus is the one we want to see. <laughs> He's the one who has made the way. Jesus is the one who has trod the Psalm 23 journey before us. So whatever you might think 
in the last moments of your life. Just look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus Christ. And in fact, I, I want to ask you to do that right now. Like right now in this moment. Like you, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Now is the time. And I'm asking you right now in this moment, look to Jesus Christ. Put your hope in Jesus Christ and be saved. Put your hope in Jesus and be saved. Because Jesus, I'm saying this, I know what's going on in our city. I know. Jesus is our only hope. So let us look to him. Amen.